the one thing I knew about Guiding Light coming into this that was really a big thing for me was that it was a long-term program with the option of sober living afterwards. I knew that what I had done in the past didn't work and I needed something long-term. The thing for me was that I was able to customize my recovery and my treatment and figure out what was going to work for me. Hi again, welcome to Casting Light, stories of recovery and hope from inside Guiding Light here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, my name is Phil Tower. I'm your host for every episode of Casting Light. We encourage you to share this episode with a friend. You can listen to us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And most importantly, we want to acknowledge that today's episode as several past episodes have been underwritten by the good folks at Treadstone Funding. Thank you, Treadstone Funding, for making this podcast series possible. We really appreciate that. And we are coming to you with this episode during the Christmas season, and we remind you how Jesus came into the world so that we might be restored through the love of God. Men walk through these doors of guiding light every day to be restored. This is what We do on this podcast series, we talk about stories of recovery and hope, and because of the generous donors, many of them, you listening to this podcast right now, Guiding Light is able to be the place where these men literally can put their lives back together, where they receive recovery and hope. We hope you like this podcast episode. It's my pleasure to welcome in a former Guiding Light recovery client, and a man who's doing some pretty amazing things here in the city of Grand Rapids to make our community a better place. Kevin, thank you for being with us. Welcome to the episode. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, what we do basically in this episode is um, we, we don't go all the way back to birth. That would be a very long episode. But we, we go back to where you were, if you would, before you came through the doors of Guiding Light. Not everybody comes in here so willingly. Sometimes they're pushed. Sometimes they're dropped off out of a car. Help our listeners, help me understand, and and also just from a timeline standpoint, how many years ago did you come through here at Guiding Light, and did you come through the doors and then become a part of the recovery program? Sure. So I originally, well, I'm coming up uh, in a few months. I will have three years of continuous sobriety and clean time. That's awesome. So that's something I'm super proud of. Congratulations. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, Guiding Light was probably the last place that I wanted to come. I'd been through uh, several other treatments before. I'd been to four other treatments and really uh, all across the board, different types of facilities, the, you know, really expensive treatments, the privately funded ones. And I went often for the reasons were for other people. Uh, it wasn't ever because I wanted to change. Um, there may have been a little bit of that, but I mostly did it for other people. And I, I came to Guiding Light out of pure desperation. I knew that my life, I was either going to die um, or end up in jail or, you know, it, just the worst case scenario. Um, I really didn't know much about the program other than I still kind of assumed it was a homeless shelter. I didn't know exactly what the program had to offer. And some friends recommended that I check it out. Uh, and it took me several attempts to get into the doors here. I kept rescheduling my intake and rescheduling my intake and finally made it in. Um, and Mm -hmm. the program and the people here 
and the people I met while in the program really changed my life. When you say you, you know, were at the point where you knew you were going to die, I guess after four failed attempts at rehab, that becomes mm-hmm. something you actually process in your head. Right. Well, you know, my dad died of the disease uh, when I was 16 years old, so I lost him at an early age. Hmm. Uh, I saw alcoholism and drug abuse as a losing battle, that if you didn't get it right, you were just going to die. And I had run out of options, really, to be honest with you. I didn't... I. I knew that nothing was going right, that it was just going to get worse, and I was desperate to try anything. So was it family or you or a combination of both that caused you to try, and, and as you said numerous times, to get in here, and you finally were accepted? Sure. So my family um, definitely tried in the past. My brother and sister um, and my mom uh, tried You know, before they had an intervention. I got into rehab, um, maybe had a couple months of, of sobriety after that. And then would relapse. Um, Mm. You know, my family was supportive, but towards the end, they kind of had to take the tough love approach where they said, you know, we love you, we support you, but this is something you need to do for yourself. You finally were accepted in here, and and that's important we make this distinction. Not everybody gets in. there, There are a strict set of standards here. And once you meet that criteria, you come into the recovery program, and it is, as you said... It's a different recovery program. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't understand that until they go through it. Was there a point for you, Kevin, where weeks, days in, maybe it was months in, we said something is different here? Absolutely. I don't, I don't think it was a right away thing for me. Um, I was actually in this building for 11 months, which isn't the normal amount of time right. that someone's yeah. in the program. Uh, I did the extended stay, I guess you could say, but... Uh, it was a couple months into the program and the relationships that I started to build with the people, the life coach that I had, the spiritual advisor, the just the all-around support that I felt from the community was was what I what I needed. The one thing I knew about Guiding Light coming into this that was really a big thing for me was that it was a long-term program with the option of sober living afterwards. I knew that what I had done in the past didn't work and I needed yeah. something long-term. And what was different about Guiding Light from other programs was it was just it offered so many different aspects. Like you could come in and if and if, you know, spirituality was something you wanted to explore, there was that you could do. Some people chose religion. You get to, you know, really dive into Alcoholics Anonymous, but you still have the option uh, to go to the North Club and go to different meetings. If Narcotics Anonymous is something you want to go to or, you know, really whatever fits you. And the thing for me was that I was able to customize my recovery and my treatment and figure out what was going to work for me. That's incredibly powerful. And you mentioned something that really is critical, which is you can't go back to your old life. Mm -hmm. You can't go back and just move into an apartment or your home because then you're going to be around the same people near the same influences and you're going to start drinking or drugging again. And for you, it was the transitional living of Iron House that was really key. Right. And you just mentioned, you know, as far as changing my surroundings and the people I was around, I I, I isolated so badly in the past, in the last couple of years of my addiction. I didn't have anyone around me, but that's where Iron House was so important. Was that I knew that I would be around a community of people. I wouldn't be alone. I wouldn't be moving back into right. a one bedroom apartment by myself. I had the support of my neighbors and the other guys that were out at Iron House that were always right there. Yeah, which is huge. Yeah, it's. Um 
It's called Iron House, by the way, because of the proverb that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I, I've always loved that because it's true at so many levels, especially um, at Iron House, having that accountability. And that was a key point in your recovery, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I think that I would have been successful and done well with just the program alone, but I knew that I wanted the accountability and uh, the community that came with the sober living, the Iron House afterwards. You're listening to Casting Light. I'm Phil Tower. We're talking with Kevin, a recovery graduate, if you will, from the Gutting Light Recovery Program here as we talk about Kevin's story, uh, transitioning into Iron House uh, after completing the program, as as Kevin affectionately called it, one of the longer stays here at Guiding Light, which there's no shame in that because you're three years, coming up in three years sober, which is just wonderful. And that was key for you because you have now, and I've, I've, I've talked to people at all different levels of recovery, Kevin, some who were still at Iron House. You're now beyond Iron House, living independently, as I understand. No, so I'm still at Iron House. You yep. still are yep. at Iron so House. I'm still out okay. of Iron House. Wanted to establish that. But you're also working in the community. You're, you are successfully working for a great organization called Network 180. I want to ask you about that. Sure. You also have a really unique and impactful role as a member of the homeless outreach team. I had no idea we had such a thing in Grand Rapids, which is sure. so great because I know as someone who has worked downtown for decades, and I'm talking back to the early 90s, we have a we have a noticeable homeless problem in Absolutely. this city. It, yeah. It's very visible. Mm-hmm. It's not hidden like a lot of cities try to hide it. And I, I'm really curious about that. But you work at a place called Network 180. For our listeners who aren't familiar with that, what is Network 180 and what role do you play there? So Network 180 is going to be the Community Mental Health Authority for Kent County. So they have crisis intervention services, uh, substance use disorder treatments, Uh, We refer clients out to treatment programs um, to help them with mental health. Within Network 180, there's uh, some different kind of satellite programs, and and I happen to be a contract employee for the city, so I work with Grand Rapids Police and Grand Rapids Fire on a task force called the Homeless Outreach Team. So the team consists of uh, police, fire, and then Network 180 staff for a small team of 12 people, and we work out of one of the fire stations downtown Grand Rapids. Hmm. How does that work? I mean, you, it, do people report uh, a, a critical homeless situation to you and then you go out and intervene? How Walk us through that process. Sure. So sometimes uh, we will get calls from either residents uh, of the city, visitors, uh, concerned citizens. But a lot of it, uh, you know, we're the only outreach organization right now that is boots on the ground six days a week from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., so we're out all day long in the city. You know, I said we work out of a fire station. That's where we go for meetings and to meet in the morning. But most days we are out. Uh, we're out in the camps. You know, like you you mentioned that a lot of the homelessness in Grand Rapids is pretty visible, and that that is very true. However, there's a lot of it that people don't see, and we're out in those camps. Yeah. Um, and the most important part is building relationships. Sometimes we're the only consistent thing in their lives, um, and I have the opportunity to share my story as a recovery coach with someone who is struggling in active addiction to be able to relate to them. That's something that I didn't have when I was looking for help was 
I would talk to people that, you know, maybe be a master level social worker, uh, but they had no experience in, in substance use. And for me to be able to say to them, listen, I, I've been to detox, I've been in treatment, I can walk you through the process, we can do this together, uh, is such a powerful thing. And, you know, it's really hard when you meet someone who doesn't know where their next meal is coming from or where they're going to sleep at night to try to talk to them about getting into recovery. Yeah. And it's a, it can be a long process, but it's it's patience and it's it's again back to the relationship building um, and working with that person. What is so incredibly powerful about that story, Kevin, is that you have that street credibility, like you said, that the most gifted counselor who doesn't have that background in their life, they're lacking that experience, and, and there, there's this level of understanding that you have that probably connects with them at a level that you maybe not, are not even aware, which I think is so wonderful. But you also mentioned something too, which is very powerful is you, your boots on the ground. And a lot of time these people are just wondering if they're going to live through the night, mm-hmm. especially this time of year. That's got to be incredibly challenging for you yet at the same time. I mean, you're, you're, you're back out and you're doing it again every day, right? Yeah. And again, I think that goes to the consistency too of, you know, sometimes we're the only thing that they can rely on. If we're bringing them basic needs, basic supplies, we transport people to the mobile shower trailer and we'll do, we'll do S you know, substance use disorder assessments right in the field with them, uh, and help walk them through that process. So this is so rewarding for me to hear. And I'm sure our listeners as well, because you've come through this program and, you know, there's nothing to downplay about living a successful life, right? You're not only living a successful life, Kevin, you're putting yourself in the trenches. And I, I cannot say thank you enough for that because I, I will tell you in my family, my wife and I talk about this a lot. We see the stories of the, the tent cities and you mm-hmm. feel incredibly helpless. And you have gone through the Guiding Light Recovery Program and you've just said, okay, I, got, I, I know where I belong. And Thankfully, the city of Grand Rapids, the fire department, the police, Network 180 have come together to do this. And uh, there, we are all grateful that you are in the role. As you look back, and it's now what you said, nearly three years mm-hmm. since you come through the door. Yep. What sticks out in your mind the most? I mean, did you think you would be here then? Was that even in the top of your mind? No. It wasn't even fathomable? No. I think I had um, some ideas of things, but they almost seemed too far-fetched or unrealistic for me to ever obtain. I never had the confidence in myself. I knew that eventually, you know, I wanted to do something to give back. Um, I've always had a passion for helping others in one way or another, and I just have, you know, I'm I'm really grateful that I have the ability to to be able to get down on someone's level and relate to them and work with them. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere else right now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm super, super fortunate to work with a, a team of amazing people. I'm super fortunate to be a part of Iron House with a community that is supportive. I've met people that, you know, in the beginning, when I first came into the program that I'm still in contact with today, this is almost three years later, who are still, you know, working a program and, and sober and, I just I never had that community before. I never had that support, um, and that that's what's really worked for me. I'm going to tell our listeners something we don't normally share, which is when our guests for Casting Light come through the door of 
this office where we are currently recording this episode, uh, deep inside Guiding Light here in downtown Grand Rapids, sometimes they have a little look of trepidation on their face. Kevin had a big smile on his face and, and welcomed the people here and didn't look too nervous about being questioned by me. And I could see that I could see that joy uh, and that feeling of gratitude. I really, it was very, you were wearing it well. Well, th- <laughs> thank you. I, I, I get excited coming down here. I mean, this was such a huge part of my life so, for so many months and the people here and like this, this was my home before I came here. I was staying with someone uh, for free, basically homeless couch surfing and had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Like this was, this was my home for 11 months and the people here were my family and most of them still are my family. And so when I do get to come back in here, you know, COVID was a really hard thing when this building went into lockdown. And, you know, it's just now getting back to the point where visitors can come in and they're doing more things out in the community. And I it's it I love coming in here. I think, yeah, it's just it's I get a really great feeling. I'm just grateful that you did come through here. You successfully completed the recovery program at Guiding Light. Now you're at Iron House and you are making a huge difference with the city of Grand Rapids, with Network 180 and the homeless outreach team. Kevin, I am so appreciative and so inspired by your story. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I know our listeners are as well. I, I'm struck as I heard Kevin's story that there are so many people like Kevin that walk through these doors... And probably at that point, couldn't afford anything else. This this recovery program, which really blows a lot of people away, we've heard stories of people who who call here at Guiding Line and say, "What's the cost to be enrolled in the recovery program?" Well, the cost is the commitment. There's no financial cost whatsoever because of people like you, the generous donors, who make these recovery stories possible. This is so amazing thanks to you and guiding light is able to be that one place where these men can actually get that life-changing help that they so badly have needed for kevin a last resort facing death or some other great fate like that this was a game changer literally we hope you will consider supporting the ministry here at guiding light if you're a first-time donor you can support at guidinglightworks.org, guidinglightworks.org. We'd love to have you join the family of supporters. Most importantly, tell a friend about our podcast, Casting Light. We encourage you to subscribe, share, or review this podcast episode. And we hope with your support that we can continue to grow this podcast ministry. Again, thank you to Treadstone Funding for underwriting this episode of Casting Light. Until next time. Forecasting Light and Guiding Light, I'm Phil Tower. Thank you for listening.